truth in the inmost parts. What does that even mean? How does it happen? I'm not going to give you ABC. But I hope that as we hear, we catch where truth needs to be. Truth is a person. And I know that I came to a place where I knew I needed truth in the inmost parts. I knew there wasn't truth there. I knew there was hurt there, there was brokenness there, there was frustration, there was a whole system of being, a mode of operation that I couldn't break out of and I had no way. And I knew I needed him here. Not here. I needed him in the core of my being. And I thank God for the grace that got me to the point that I realized that. Because I had spent a long time not knowing that. And I just want to unpack some things that that the Lord has really um, just been opening up to me over the last few weeks around true worship in this innermost place. So the this, this scripture we know in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Therefore I urge you, brethren... By the mercies of God or in view of God's mercies, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So he led me back to a covenant that was cut and it was ordained and initiated by God with Abraham. His name was Abraham at that point. It was not initiated by Abraham. It was initiated by God. Everything that happens is initiated by God. If we can have a look at Genesis 15, and we'll start at verse 9. So I'm just going to pick out some parts of this. Let's see if I can read my new Bible without my glasses. Nope. This is powerful. So God said to Abraham, Bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat and a three-year-old ram 
<clears throat> and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses and Abraham drove them away. Sorry, Abraham. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abraham, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You will be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. There's some incredible similarities between this picture and present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. And I just want to talk about them It is talked about that you cut a covenant. You don't make a covenant. You cut a covenant. Why is that? It's to do with the action of the knife that puts the sacrifice to death. There is no sacrifice without death. There is no sacrifice without blood. When the Lord says, in the view of my mercies, present your body, what is he saying? Is it about make sure you come to every service? Um, Make sure you do all the Christian things that you know of to do. It says in Joel, rend your heart, not your garments. This is not an external thing. This is an internal reality. I was pondering... Why did Jesus die on a cross? Why wasn't he stoned? Why wasn't he pierced with a sword, shot through with an arrow? All these things were ways of being killed. Have you ever considered what we do with our hands 
when we were uncovered. He is uncovered, exposed, and staying there. It says in Philippians 2 that he didn't grasp equality with God, his Father, but he humbled himself, even to death and death on a cross. There's something about the why he did that. And I know we've got all the pat answers. He who dies on a, 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 a tree is accursed. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about now physical reality that paints a picture of an inner place. What does it mean to rend your heart? What does it mean to be uncovered? To be exposed? We don't have to go any further than looking at him. So this place is present your bodies. There's, he knows that something's got to transact. That something has to come in and something needs to be killed. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is that It's interesting when we go back to the story that when those elements are cut in two, the birds of prey come and they're trying to take out the carcasses. Now, God didn't chase them away, Abraham did. And he's been talking to me about when we come to him. And when we open and we, we ask him, here's my heart. I love that song, here's my heart. Show me the truth about myself. No matter what that looks like. I'm not coming with an agenda for what you can do for me. Show me my heart. When you come into the presence of God, and the Spirit comes and He speaks a word, your flesh is so uncomfortable. It does not want to be there. But do you know? He says, be still and know. Stay. Don't run. And I've found in that place, when that's there, and that extreme tension, I would call it, it's on the inside the power to stay, the power to drive the, 
the birds of prey away, which is just our flesh trying to run when he's trying to speak. The power is grace. And he graces us with the power to stay because we need to stay so that he can do the work. You see, the spirit, when he comes with those words, they conflict with flesh. They have to. As long as we think that there's not going to be any conflict, we're deceiving ourselves. Because there has to be. It's a necessary part. It's good to know that we all have to go through this, isn't it? It's not just me. It's not just Chris. We don't have to think, oh, it's terrible. I feel like this in his presence. No, he takes us through this so that he can deal to the flesh. And it's in the staying and the being still, the remaining and the bowing and surrendering. Because spirit comes and flesh comes and everything in flesh wants to destroy the spirit or to run away. Destroy the word, make it stop, make it stop. And so the, the running, it's not going to reform the flesh. It's not going to, suddenly the flesh is now able to take words and, oh, it's wonderful. It actually's got to die. He came to kill the flesh so that we'd be set free. And he'd make us a new creation. It's a totally new wineskin to hold him. That process of death is so vital because otherwise the flesh keeps getting up. I can do it. I'm sure I can just understand this and bring myself into life. It's what happens. So the flesh thinks it's all about the battle and the spirit knows it's all about his victory. To stay, to be still. It's a bit like giving birth. It's the only physical thing I can think of. If, you've, if anyone has given birth without pain, pain relief, there is a sense, I know for me, with our firstborn, it kicks in and it's like, oh, I want out. Is there some way I can get out of this? And you can't. Something is at work in you and you either have to work with it. There actually is no other way. And the extreme tension and the, the pain... He graces you to go through that, to lean into that and allow him to do what he needs to do. But you don't get a new baby from running running away at that point. Yeah, no options there. We're, We're fortunate that we've got these kind of 
things to think about. You know how it talks about the smoking oven and the flaming torch that passed between these pieces? Who's there? So you've got these cut elements. Waiting. Waiting. In expectation. Lord, I need you. If you don't come, I can't keep living. That was the desperation. If you don't come, I can't keep living. I so need you. And he comes when we stay. We have need for endurance, perseverance. We were talking, Mel and I, perseverance is remaining. Until his power comes, until his light comes, until his revelation comes, until his refining comes. In that innermost place. Every single thing in, in the word talks about light coming into darkness. Doesn't it? Jesus, in, in John 1, it says light came, the word came. And he came as light into the darkness and the light was the life of men. See, that's not just something up here and something out there, it's something in here. Unless he comes into my darkness, I have no life. I have no life. Not life that's eternal. Not life that is the life that God has in himself. I might have a form of something that is empty and devoid of life. But I don't have life. I don't have him in me. And that's why I've been created. To have him in me. Did you know that? That's why we were created. To become vessels of the living God. So the whole purpose of me being given my life is to give it back to him so that he can come and inhabit me and live his life through me. That's the whole reason I'm here. Amazing that he'd want to. He needs to be given access. Not occasional, but he actually wants in. He wants ownership. You know, when it says in Revelation 
2.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him. It sounds all very cosy, isn't it? Inviting Jesus in for tea. That's not what it means. He isn't after an occasional meal with us. It's a takeover bid. So when he comes and when we stay there and he does this thing to, to kill our flesh that doesn't want to relinquish control, what happens is there's a change of ownership papers. It's amazing. And when he sets you free from needing to be in control, it's like to belong to him is the greatest thing. Not the worst thing, not the thing filled with fear, because of let go, because he's come into the place and he's come that truth in the innermost being that David cried out for. You desire truth in the innermost being, wisdom in the hidden place. I see it now. I understand it. I experience it. I now exult in my weakness. How wonderful I don't have to be strong enough. I love to boast in, in the fact I can't. That's how I'm made, not meant to. I'm not meant to have the strength to come to God by myself. You know that Revelation 2.20, it's interesting when we look at verse 21 comes straight after it. So Revelation 3, sorry, thank you. Revelation 3, 20 and 21. So I've read the first one. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. There is an eternal consequence to this process. Unless he comes in, unless this interaction happens in the inmost place, this change of ownership happens, we don't even know the way of being prepared. We don't even know the way to overcome. We're still outside of that reality, trying to overcome in our own flesh. All of this happens because, because it's his way. It, it was demonstrated by Jesus. Relinquishing all. Relinquishing all. Not fighting to stay alive, not fighting for his rights. Relinquishing everything 
to the Father because he knows his Father's good. Whenever we look at covenant, we can't not think of the marriage covenant. You see, this sacrifice symbolizes the death of both parties. We don't see it clearly in this example, but later in Jeremiah, both parties would pass in between the two cut parts of the sacrifice. And what they were saying is, this is my death. Now that I'm in covenant, I have no more right to live. I have no more right to live for myself. I now live through the other party. Wow. Wow. Doesn't that sound awfully like Galatians 2.20? I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Come to make his home. Not have dinner. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. How do I have faith? Because I've received revelation. And my faith is because of the revelation, because what I've received, his word is alive in me. And that's what I live from. I don't live from feelings. I don't live from the flesh because I've received something that's trumped that, completely annihilated that, and has the power over all of those things that I used to struggle with. That's resurrected life living in me. I've received it. You see, it's a live from position that we heard from from Sam. He's in and now you live from. You don't live it's not a cycle that you do it all the time. There is a presenting of yourself every day. There is a taking up your cross daily. But it's not this fight, fight, fight thing. Your walk is now defined by the covenant. And you're not self-sourcing. I'm not talking about chocolate pudding. In reality, that's the position of life. That you wouldn't be self sourcing. <laughs> We're not designed to be self sourcing, ever. Never were. Right at the beginning, in Genesis, they weren't self sourcing. They were eating from the tree of life. That's what we've been designed to do. There's a little example that's been happening that I've just heard the Lord speak on. 
we've all been hearing the media, you know, the last time I spoke about these waves. It's amazing, eh, how it's ramping up, these waves of opinion, opinion, opinion. So some stuff is, has opened up with the royal family, right? And we have opinion after opinion, this one, this one, judging, judge, judge. And the Lord said to me, I'm speaking to my church. Don't look at them. Don't have an opinion about them. Listen to me, what I'm saying, to my body in this day. It struck me when I read these words, and they're about the situation by a journalist, but it struck me. They, as in Harry and Megan, can head stateside to earn their own coin. Or they can be official representatives of the woman whose face is on the coin, not both. Pierced me. me. Are we saying we're royalty and telling the Lord the terms of the covenant? Saying, I want to be independent. I want to be self-sourcing. But I want to be royal. I am royal. Interesting that the Queen wasn't going to have that. The wisdom. See, she gave her life to serving at the coronation, and she hasn't she hasn't departed from that way for all those years. But like I say, it's not so much about them; it's about us. See, the covenant is about death and coming into life. It's not about life and my thing, adding it on. It's about my death and his life. And there is no way to have the abundance, to have the empowerment without that happening. So words were said within this. We're made to thrive, not survive. Absolutely true. But the thriving happens in the laying down. It doesn't happening in the taking yourself out and making your own path. Now please hear me. I'm not trying to make a judgment over that family situation. I'm speaking what the Lord said to me about his church. Because I have to ask my heart. And we all have to ask our heart. Is this my reality? Because he wants us in life. It's all about life. And immediately, 
When I read those words, it took me to Mark 12, and I think it's in both Matthew and, and Luke, about the coin. Remember the coin? So should we pay taxes to Caesar? Remember what Jesus said? He said, whose likeness and inscription is on the coin? We often think of this, this is about paying taxes. It's not. Whose likeness, whose likeness and inscription is on the coin? Because you give to Caesar what Caesar's, but you give to God what's God's. Are we not made in the likeness? Do we not have his word written on our hearts, the inscription? I knew you before the foundations of the earth. I called you holy, blameless. That's the inscription. Holy. Be holy as your Father is holy. It's possible when you die, when you have his life. Give to God what is God's. Stay. Come. Open. Stay. Be still. Don't move. As I was preparing this, that's the one that he was resting on. Stay. Stay. Remain. Don't say, oh, you've had enough time. I've given you five minutes. You didn't come. Are we about the many things or about the one thing that he said to Martha and Mary? Are you about the many things? Serving. It was serving he was talking about, not the world. Or about the one thing, to know him. And all life comes out of that place. A life that is life. Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. The living isn't just um, physically alive. It's zeo, which comes from zoe, which is the life that God is, the, the life that God has in himself. And we are completely devoid of. But he has given it to his son, and we partake in it through the son. The son gives it to us. It's powerful, isn't it? This is good, good, good news.
power to overcome, power to live. Lord, I just want to thank you that you have made a way. It's not something that we come into by just struggling to understand it. But I thank you that you have shown us that you want in. You want in. And Lord, I pray that however your word has pierced, that we would stay in that tension and we would allow the word to do its work and that we wouldn't retreat back, shrink back, but we would press in knowing like a birth, this pain is to bring life. So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. It's all there. Beautiful. Light coming into darkness. New life. A new day, a new horizon. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. And the core theme of this coming year that he's impressed on our hearts as an eldership is fellowship, which is oneness of spirit with him and one another. And, you know, it says, walk in the light as he is in the light so you can have fellowship with one another. So the ability to have oneness with one another is based on our oneness with him. And so that's going to be the theme that we unpack. Um, And he's already started to unpack it, but we're going to unpack it um, precept upon precept. And Sam's going to hit that off next week by talking about that. And then there are elements that go into how that oneness comes into being. And so we're going to then start looking at the gospel. Um, And that's what he shared with me last week, listening to Mel, it was just so clear. It's like the receiving of the gospel, the work of the gospel, not me understanding by someone articulating what Jesus did. Those are just words. It's the receiving of what he did, the work of the gospel within me that brings a light and a life and that starts a process. And we're going to take some time to really unpack that because I think over the years we may not have done that that well as the church. You know, it's sort of like if you want to get saved, pray this prayer and you're now saved. And so we're going to take some time and really start to rip apart what it looks like when Paul said, you know, the gospel just didn't come in words only. It came in power, Holy Spirit, full conviction he says you dropped your idols turned 
and started to serve a living God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because in the gospel I found out how right I was. So if there was a man that was walking out of alignment that really should have felt shame because he professed to be living for God and was killing what God was doing, who didn't because that's how powerful the gospel was. He said, I received the gospel and I'm not ashamed of who I was. I'm a born-again changed man, so now I'm going to preach this very reality. And so the thing, so I really want to encourage you to be here. I really want to encourage you, if you can't be here, to go online and really start taking this serious. Precept upon precept, because none of these are random. We're not just throwing out random things every week. It is all building to a picture which is eternal. So we're painting. Each speaker is painting a piece of a much greater puzzle that we've been called to know called the will of God. And we are called to know the will of God. That's what the scriptures say. We are to know it so we can live it. It's no mystery. So if it's mystery to us still, then we need to, I'd encourage you to be present and start seeking God because every one of us is to know the will of God. That's what the scriptures very clearly declare as his church, as his body. Um, that will be online again like all the messages. So it is eating, drinking, eating, drinking. Um, and so together we are in fellowship moving forward as one. Because you can be in relationship and not be in fellowship. You can have a very shallow relationship with one another and you can have a very shallow relationship with the Father. But he wants to take you into uh, fellowship so as he is in the light, walk in the light. So then you have and walk in the light together. Which means you hear clearly what's being declared. If I say red, you hear, we all hear red. We don't hear blue, pink, yellow, purple. Because it's a language of the spirit, yeah? So the ability to hear what's actually being declared is critical. So we all as one journey the same journey out. So that's cool. Thanks, Sandra. If anyone needs prayer for anything, please feel free to come forward and pray. Um, outside of that, uh, think about being part of what's happening in the cafe. Um, that would be awesome. Um, invite someone home for lunch and... Um, Wednesday morning. Thanks, Chris. We're starting up again. Uh, just officially the prayer. Hopefully we're all praying, but officially uh, 6.30 there Wednesday morning. And it's just come for the time you you can. We, we pray for an hour, but if you can come for half an hour, if you come for 15 minutes, please come and just be part of what he's saying and doing. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Andrew.